This is Kayak Fishing Radio, and it's time for Yak Fish in Texas with your hosts, Jaron Wassel and Andrew Moxagimba. Join the conversation at kayakfishingradio.com or call the guys up at 714-816-4727. Now, it's time for Yak Fishing Texas. Here are your hosts, Jaron and Andrew. Welcome to Yak Fish in Texas. I am your host and by my esteemed, esteemed co-host, Andrew Moxigamera, after his one-week hiatus. How was uh, the week off, my friend? Oh, I'm just glad you had me back. I figured you'd replace me and I wouldn't be needed anymore. But here I am. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a kind of a smooth show, man. I mean, we, I can say we missed you, and I can, I can say we didn't. Take your, chip, take your pick. So, so Ryan's no longer allowed on the show. Yeah, 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 exactly. That, yeah, we'll go with that. All right. Just, just know that if you're ever sick, you have someone you can call in with. Nice. You just don't get sick because yeah. then nothing ever happens. Well, no, because then, then I want to listen to the show when I'm sick because you can take it over. No, I, I'm good, sir. All of you. <laughs> Well, uh, tonight we're going to be talking to the owner of Lone Star Kayak Series a little bit later. His name is Dustin Kareva. It's a, it's a pretty big tournament series. It's a redfish series we've got here in Texas. Typically, you're going to be seeing probably around 60 to 70 guys per tournament, but they have been hitting the 80 mark. I, I really wouldn't be surprised if they hit the 100 angler mark this year. It'd be, it'd be pretty awesome to see that take place. I don't think there's been a kayak tournament in Texas that's hit 100, ang- 100 anglers yet. Have you, you know anything about it, Andrew? No, I mean, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, your best chance is going to be Dustin's tournament or Tats between one of those two. Some, they're bound to hit 100 very yeah, soon. They're they, so close, you know. Right. Cats had 94 this last weekend on the Lady Bird Lake. That was a roadrunner event. So, I mean, six guys shy of 100, that's, that's pretty good. You know, no disrespect to those guys out east, but the they always get on and they say, you know, that I've been asked, you know, what's the kayak tournament scene like in Texas? And I'll tell them, you know, we're pretty strong. We've got a couple of really good series that are run. Dustin's is one of them. Cass is the other one. I say just routinely pulls in, you know, 70, 80 guys. And they're like, oh, well, you know, that's nothing. We pull in a three or 400-man tournament. Well, that's just one tournament. You know, that's, I think that's a little bit different than what goes on over here. It's an actual series. You know, Dustin's is, I think, like at four or five events throughout the summer at various venues, and then it's so spread out enough that, yeah, you'll have some carryover anglers from tournament to tournament, but you still dip the pool in those particular markets for new anglers to arise. So, you know, that, 
I wouldn't be surprised if Dustin's unique angler list easily clips, you know, 125 people, just unique anglers per season, and that's continuous over the year. You know, Cats is the same way, and I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't suspect Cats probably get to close to 200 maybe unique anglers this year in both the competitive and in the uh, social division. So there's something to be said right there. So they're doing it right. But anyway, we'll, we'll, t- we'll get more into that later on whenever we get Dustin on. So, but uh, I got a little paddling in this weekend, Andrew. I don't know about you, but I went down to the San Gabriel River and tried my hand at the white bass run. Uh, I failed. I didn't catch one thing, but I did learn a lot. That was a nice thing. I got a lot of spots marked on my my fish finder's GPS, there's a lot of nice gravel beds. I know that those white bass will they'll relate to. That's really good spawning locations for them. They really like those rocky bottoms. So that was pretty clutch. And uh, I, got, I got to ride my kayak back in in style, man. Did you see the photo I put up on, uh, on Facebook? Yeah, I did. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty nice. It's the, only way, it's the only way to come back in, man. So I'm assuming you made it over five miles an hour. Oh, my GPS said eight. There you go. And then when I pull out, when I veered out to the right, I would hit about nine. So just uh, I was kind of nice. We 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 I paddled out there early in the day, and we started. I started fishing really heavy, and I was waiting for a buddy of mine to catch up. And little did I know, he was going to actually come in his jet ski, and I didn't think he was going to actually make it up the river. And his jet ski actually made it all the way up there through some areas that were even sketchy in my boat. And it was probably a four-and-a-half-mile trip up river. And next thing I know, we're about time to go in, and he was heading back and just said, hey, I'll toss you a line. I'll tell you back in. And, man, it was on. That's, now I just need to make a kayak that moves like that, and uh, I'm ready. Absolutely. <laughs> Was this the same guy that we took out and that redefined offshore fishing to us? <laughs> whenever you're not yeah. on the bank, you're offshore. Yeah, this 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 was Braden. Yeah, it, that was the funniest thing I think I've ever heard. For you know, the guy had never fished saltwater before, and I asked him if we were ever gonna if he wanted to come offshore with us during the summertime. Well, <laughs> in his mind, we were off of the shore literally. That's what he thought we were. He's like, well, what are we doing that right now? Nah, my friend, no way. Uh, go off the beach. Boy, I've never seen someone's eyes turn so big. That was, that was really funny. Well, and the best part yeah. is when he said that we could literally touch the bank. We were, <laughs> we were barely. By his definition, know, we were man. barely offshore. <laughs> that, was, that was classic. Oh, my God. Yeah, but he had a good time. And so we didn't catch anything, but... He has never caught a fish on a lure, which is pretty uh, pretty daunting. You know, he, he talks about going fishing a bunch, and uh, but he's never used a lure before to catch a fish. So it is like my main priority right now is to get this guy set up to where he's going to catch some fish on a uh, on an artificial. And I can't think of any better way to do it than with the sand or the white bass run. I say sand bass. It, it's an East Texas thing, but the white bass is a great way to break him in and cut his teeth on some lure fishing because those little things will give him a run for his money. Uh, we got a couple of bites, but 
I think right now the water's a little too cool. Uh, we don't have enough flow. I mean, there's some when you get really up towards, uh, there's, a, there's a highway that crosses the road that you get in some skinny water that you have to portage through, but it funnels the water pretty, pretty swift through there. But the entire river as a whole doesn't have enough flow really to get those things going. And that, from my experience out in East Texas, that really is a trigger for those things to run up the river and begin their spawning process. So but right now the water was at 47 degrees in it was cold even dipping my feet in the waders. So it, I, I'm just probably going to have to wait until about 50 degrees or so, and then we should be able to see the, the white bass run up there and be okay. But all of our bites were coming. We were really fishing off into the deep water, casting onto the gravel banks shallow, and then bringing it really slow. You had to touch the bottom. Uh, you're using like eighth-ounce, roadrunner heads with white curly tails. So that was pretty cool. We got a couple of swipes, no takers, but we will return another day. I think this weekend's supposed to be pretty solid. Might venture back out there again. I might actually might take Lauren out there because she's never been paddling on a river before. And uh, I need you need to come up here and do that whenever the run actually kicks on, man, because you know, we'll, we'll catch a, a lot of fish in a short time frame. Yeah, I mean, I, I plan on getting out on the water on Sunday. It's supposed to be in the 70s Sunday, so it might be a nice day. Yeah, I don't get that, man. It was 34 today, all day today, and then we come today, and then to, uh, two days, 78 degrees. Gotta love Texas. Absolutely love yeah. Texas. Well, I still can't find my waiter, so if it's cold again, I'll be doing the um, the socks, <laughs> plastic bag socks routine again <laughs> and making it halfway through the day. I was tempted to take a photo of your feet and send them to some waiter makers, man, because they were going to be laughing their butts off if they see that. God, that was so funny. But yeah, so, well, I, did get to, I did get to use the the new uh, Camera Boom 600. Uh, we got to test it out and do a little bit of trial runs to do some online content uh, from Railblazer, the new Camera Boom 600. Uh, it's pretty cool little camera mount. So, you know, Yak Attack's got the... The portrait poles, the and you, right there like a vertical camera mount, and you've got a little bit of adjustability at the top, and you can get extensions for the pole and get a really tall shot right over the top of your head. Uh, it's kind of nice that you can you can actually double team that with the camera boom. And the camera boom is really cool for getting those really out wide shots. So you can actually and it articulates five different axes it's got adjustability on, and you can actually swing it from left to right on a pivot uh, on the base. So whatever shot that you're trying to get real low, you can capture. So it, it was pretty versatile. I liked it a lot. You can actually recast the long part of the pole on the camera boom to hold various objects because you can take the top platform off and mount it elsewhere on the boat. So you can put the camera out in front of you for those hero shots, or you can, you know, while it's doing that, not or, while it's doing that, you can use the long arm as, say, a rod holder or various other Railblazer products that go on top of it. It's actually pretty handy. I've got to admit, I'll probably be using it as a, uh, as a push-pole holder, too. So once I've got the camera boom out or the, the small platform out front, you can do it that way. It's kind of cool, man. Uh, I don't know. It's, I like the video part. Uh, that's going to be my next development in the whole grand scheme of kayak fishing because I go fish, but, you know, 
pictures and all that, that only goes so far. Video tells a tale, and I'm really looking forward to getting some really awesome video this summer and potentially even with the white bass, so we'll see. But yeah, now you, maybe you, you don't move the camera around too, it's huge. Because how many times have we gone out with the old, you know, stagnant GoPro mount and then never turned the camera on? Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah, it, it's the the reach is the one thing. You know, you've always got to be able to pivot, turn around and be able to find where it's at. This you can swing to you, click it on, swing it back out. Or I mean, you know, it's even with the GoPro's ability to use the, the Bluetooth on your phone, even if you don't want to waste battery on your GoPro that day, you can just go ahead and just, you know, swing the whole boom, turn the camera on, and swing it back. And you can really just mount it anywhere. It's, it's a pretty cool little product, i got to admit. But, yeah, I mean, I mean real place oh, well, though, I mean, we've, we've done a lot of uh, installs of that here. It's, it's kind of picked up. You know, at first when we got in real place, the people were kind of like apprehensive, not understanding what it was. But there's so many possibilities you can do with the rigging on that, where everything, like you said, you can retask all these different pieces. And, and hell, if you have any any real blazer equipment, you can almost convert into something else. So I took a, a Pelican dry box a week ago, took a you know extra part from another real blazer mount, and made a mountable battery box inside of a guy's kayak. But it's drilling a hole and using the real blades of Starport and putting it on the side of the of the box and putting it in the kite. So it's crazy what all you can do with their products. Yeah, you know I was going to talk about an, a, a particular piece that they've got later, uh, but you know we we're just we're going to be bringing it in a little bit. It's it's they've got a new visibility kit out that really incorporates three of their products all into one, and uh, it's kind of like a it's a, it's another light product for like a 360 light to help keep you visible on the water at night, in the morning, uh, even during the day when it's an orange flag on it. So it's, well, I'll, I'll probably talk about it a little later when we get to the, we got a topic we're going to talk about that kind of rings home to a lot of the kayak anglers. But, but yeah, it was, a, it was a cool product. I definitely look forward to using it again. And uh, I'll try to get some video posted up on the, the Facebook page probably within the next week or so, let you guys see it. I, I recorded myself taking the jet ski ride back in, so I'll try to work something like that. But, but yeah, so uh, we'll see this. We'll, we'll touch a little bit on, on the, the cats thing. Uh, so cats had, again, I think this was their third tournament, Andrew? Fourth? Yes, yeah, third, third one. Third, that's right. So 94 people. It was a combination event like a held on Ladybird Lake here in Austin and also Lake Austin. And for people who don't understand those two lakes, both of those lakes run on the river that runs south of Austin. And I can't remember the name of the river, Andrew. I think it's the Colorado. But what it is is basically they've impounded two sections of the river and it's formed these two larger bodies. And you've got Ladybird Lake and you've got Lake Austin. Well, Cats turned it into a Roadrunner event to where you could go ahead and launch wherever you want as long as you were at the captain meeting and then you left from the captain meeting, went out, fished, and then all got back to a central location and then the weigh-in was held there. Kind of a cool twist on the, on the tournament scene on how to fish really large bodies of water or expanses of water. So, I mean, I'm, I'm curious if Christian is going to do that with 
Sam Rayburn because, I mean, you're talking 147,000 acres. There's a lot of fishing opportunity right there. And you'd hate for someone to have to just launch out of one location and miss fishing various spots of that lake that they wanted to. I, I like the concept of Roadrunner, and I think Dustin does the same thing. So Yeah, he did. He does. I mean, you almost have to in these large bodies of water. Yeah, that's exactly what he does. I mean, you, you, there's no other way to handle it. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's just there's just no way in the world to have everybody launch from one spot, and then they all they can do is just fish probably a two- to three-mile stretch as much as they're willing to paddle, you know. So being, having the freedom to go wherever you want, as long as you're back by a certain time for the scoring, that's a pretty solid approach to get more people to come in because, it's, to me, that's more appealing. I've got a spot, but I don't know where they're launching from. I want to go launch at my spot. So kudos to uh, the idea on that. I'm, I'm not going to give credit to anybody who's doing it, but I like the people who are implementing the idea. That's, that's a good way to go about on a kayak tournament, in my opinion. But, so uh, I think the winner on that event took out, I think it was a check just north of 1300 bucks. so solid payday for sure. And then like, right. the next, so the next event's in two weeks, and they're going to be tapping another new market that they haven't touched pre- uh, previously. It would be the San Antonio market, and they're going to go fish on Lake Wood. And that's, for everybody here in Texas, that's just east of San Marcos. So I'm not familiar with the lake. I haven't even seen it on a map, but uh, I've heard some good reviews online just from the quick searches that I've done. So it'll be interesting to see what those guys pull out of there. Because I mean, just seeing the the, the names that are popping up popping up on the leaderboard and seeing those stringers that they're actually coming in with, man, that's a that's pretty solid stuff. Those guys are there's a group of guys that are consistently at the top, and and it's got to make it. It's got to make it tough for anybody who wants to crack those top ten. That's good. So, I mean, they're starting to get. They're starting to get a group that really, you know, is participating pretty heavily in that tournament. That's that bodes well for the tournament itself for growth for growth and getting into other markets. Right. Right. So it it'll be cool. But anyway, well, the topic that I really wanted to kind of touch on tonight about just for a little before Dustin gets on here, is there was an article that was published on Kayak Fish Mag, and it's been on various kayak fishing publications, uh, but there was one, it, it's, it kind of rings really close to home, man. I mean, it's, it's a kayak fisherman, kayaker in general nightmare, but there was a poor kid that was out there paddling with his dad, and a powerboat ran over them, and killed the paddler, killed the young kid. The dad was fine. But, man, that there's so many things that we hear about this so much. Yeah, it, it's, it's either the powerboat, you know, there's groups saying that's the powerboaters that are targeting kayakers. The kayaker can't, is always paddling out in the middle of boating lane, you know, whatever. There's always going to be the exclusion or the certain people that are going to be exception to the rule that make everybody look bad. But, there are a lot of things that people really take for granted when they're out there on the water that they should be they, they really shouldn't be doing. 
I, I, I don't understand why people paddle down the middle of boat lanes in the first place. If you are, hug the shore. And if it's at night, have your light on, folks. It's, there's too many people I see going out and posting reports in the middle of the night, and they've got nothing on their boat. There's nothing. It's just them and a PFD. Well, and I hear this excuse all the time, too. My PSD has reflective strips on it. Well, if there's no light, what's that, what's that going to do you? Absolutely nothing. So, you know, it, the whole safety aspect of this really kind of, it, it, it's really sad, man. I mean, the, from what I've read on the article, this really could have been avoided. Now, granted, this boater was drunk and smoking some other stuff on the side, but, you know, you keep keep your wits about you. Always have, always be on the lookout because you never know. I mean, here in Texas, there's one thing. We go paddle in the marshes, Galveston, uh, Freeport, Corpus Christi, all over the place. And now, you know, there's a lot of boats out there that can run a lot skinnier than they ever used to. There's airboats now. And now on the upper coast, some of those marshes, when you're in a kayak, they cannot see you no matter what because of the tall grass. So those, those airboats come through and they come whizzing through that grass, they'll plow you right over and they'll never even know you were there. There are certain products out there on the market that can really help prevent, you know, tragedy like that. There's certain things that can be avoided. I'm not saying that this accident could be avoided, but it just, it, being a paddler, it, it, it's, it saddens me. And it saddens me because there's so many people out there that don't take these things seriously. So the product I was going to bring up was that Railblazer Visibility Kit. You're talking about a flag or a pole that can extend up, I don't know, Andrew, was like four and a half, five feet? Right, yeah. So you got five feet of pole with a big, huge orange flag on that thing, man. That's going to be taller than any of the marsh grass you're going to be around in the upper coast. You know, have that on. Keep Keep an air horn on you. Keep something on you because before you know it, those people can be right on top of you. Now, I know airboats, they're going to have a hard time hearing it, but, you know, Yak Attack, they make that, uh, that reflective tape, that night stripe tape that you can put on your paddles, that solid stuff to put on there too so you can use it as a signaling device. Uh, you know, a bright colored paddle blade makes a great flashing beacon. Uh, there's plenty of things that you can do while on the water. And, you know, if I saw there's a, there's a video on YouTube of a, a guy that gets run over in broad daylight. Uh, yeah, it, I was a, you know, I was a boater. Yeah, I was a boater before I was paddling, you know. And in um, Port Connor, I almost had a guy in a yellow ocean kayak in the middle of the day because the high grass that you were talking about, I was in a boat that ran in skinny water. But he was wearing, you know, I couldn't see him because he wasn't. He was wearing like a camo shirt. You can't see the kayak on the water level when you're in a boat moving. It's just, it's not possible. You have to have a bright colored life jacket, reflective tape on your paddle, or something high because it needs to be above water level where you're going to stick out. Having a yellow boat to a boater in, in the marsh is meaningless. They're not going to see you anyway until they're running. Yeah, away. absolutely, absolutely. You know, and. We, you know, we've, we've seen guys come in the store and talk about these things all the time. And just the people that we know, they've spent so much time out on the water. 
that they've had these incidents happen to them. So, you know, it's, it's always really good to just keep your wits about you, know what's going on around you at all times. And I know it's hard because sometimes you get sucked into the moment, you know, you don't know what's going on, and you, you just you focus completely on fishing, which is cool, absolutely. But you've got to remember, you know, while you're, while you're zoned in, it's easy to just drown out everything else. So I don't know, man. I, I, it's just a sad story. Uh, they're coming up with the growth of kayaking and, you know, people are getting out on the water even more and more. You know, there's going to present times and situations where more of these, these incidents can happen. And there's a, there are a lot of things that we can do as paddlers to help prevent it as much as possible. And, you know, if it's got to be the burden that we carry that we do all the work, that's fine. That's fine. I have no problem sitting out of a boat lane or, you know, I've got to make uh, room for boats and it means that I'm not going to get run over. That's fine. If those guys don't have to worry about it and I can worry about it all, I know I can control my own self a lot more than I can control what they're doing. So, you know, it's... Uh, it's, that's, that's all I'm going to talk about it because but I think we're going to have Dustin calling in here a little bit. But you guys, uh, just real quick, uh, we've created a, a Facebook page that um, you guys can go over to. I'm going to post it up, and uh, you guys can join on it. it. We're just an extension of Kayak Fishing Radio. Uh, I'm, Chip, uh, Chip's done a really good job. We, we're gonna actually going to... He's going to send me some, some stickers, so we're going to have to start making some stickers for the show. Uh, I'm thinking about buying some and making them, making them for everybody who, anybody who wants some. Uh, we can do a little contest on the page. We can do contests you know, here on the show. That would be cool, too. You guys want to win some of the, the Yak Fishing Texas stickers, we can do that. And uh, that would be kind of a cool way to kind of bring some people interactive into the show. And also, again, man, yeah, y'all uh, – Y'all are the driving force behind the show. If there's anything out there you guys want to hear us talk about, there's a guest, you know, a particular lure maker or, you know, a rod guy that you've got, if you want us to bring on the show, I will absolutely do it for you guys. Just, uh, just feel free to get on the web, on the, the Facebook page, post up, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll get something rolling because I, I want to get it to where you guys are getting what you want to hear out of this show. But uh, so, all right, so Dustin's calling him. We're going to bring him in. What's up, man? Good evening, guys. How are y'all doing? Fantastic. You? Oh, man, I can't complain. Not one bit, brother. No, not at all, man. So uh, it's coming time soon for your little uh, little shindig to kick off, man. So, uh, so Yes, sir. Thank you for... Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, how exactly did you get, you know, focused in on starting a kayak tournament? Well, first, let me say thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate that very much, getting our our name out there a little bit more. But, uh, man, I started tournament fishing whenever I was about 15 and fished my first bass tournament with my neighbor in his boat. And I ended up taking third place in big bass in that tournament. And I never was very good at sports, so that just kind of just, I guess, gave me a confidence booster on what direction I need to, spend my athletic skills in 
Very cool, man. Yeah, because while there, I know uh, early in the TKF days that I was on, there was always the Third Coast Kayak Tournament. Now, that was run by Jerry B's down south, I think. But, you know, yeah. then, then, you came, then you came on the scene, and now you fished those tournaments too, didn't you? you you've been an avid tournament fisherman for a while before you started the, the series, correct? Oh, yeah, yeah. There was a, a couple of tournaments way back whenever I first started getting into kayak fishing. Um, I'd been kayak fishing for about a year or so, and then a guy on TKF by the name of Mike Morosco goes by Slingshot. Him and Jason Bryant, which goes as Crankbait, they started the Stars and Stripes kayak series. I think their first event had eight. And then it just took off from there. I think at the end they ran for a couple of years and I actually was part of that team for a little while and helping run in the series uh, for a little bit. But the biggest event was 105 people. And, uh, yeah, that was some, some good times back in the day, man. We used to have a blast. Um, but that's, that's how everything kind of got started tournament fishing-wise for me as far as kayaks and then – there is another guy that used to post on the freshwater boards that went by the name of Reservoir Dog. I forget his, his first name, but he started a little bass tournament uh, that went one one series for three or four months over in uh, Gibbons Creek. And that was a pretty fun event to fish. And I, I did fairly well in those events. Uh, ended up, was tied with another guy right at, well, almost tied. I was leading going into the end of that one for Angler of the Year, and I got nudged out by a point for Angler of the Year. So, But the guy that won deserved it. You know, everybody fished hard. So it's uh, a lot of crazy weather during that series, too. Oh, my gosh, people turtling on the first event. and Oh, man, it was <laughs> it was crazy. 30-mile-an-hour <laughs> nice. winds and white captain on, on Gibbons Creek. So if you can imagine a shotgun launch into that, uh, that was really kind of the first freshwater kayak tournament that I had fished. And, uh, yeah, man, that thing was, was a blast to fish. But, um, yeah, that's kind of how I got started into the whole tournament scene and just fish more and more tournaments and started fishing in some of the powerboat tournaments because some of my buddies were fishing in them, um, which you probably know most of the Team Ocean Kayak guys, Vincent Hernando, <laughs> Clint Bargy, and Sam, and those guys, man, we've all been tournament junkies from, I don't know, ever since I can remember, at least 2005. <clears throat> Explain to us your tournament, how it actually works. We were talking about cats in the last tournament today. It's still more of a roadrunner type tournament how do yours work i mean what's the is everyone launching from one place or launching from multiple places what's the dynamic of the lone star kayak series well whenever i first started the series um i've been fishing a couple of different tournament series that kind of fizzled out and they were part of a powerboat tournament series and i don't know i just sat down and put pen to paper and came up with some things that would entice me as an angler to fish an event so um, I came up with the boundaries from Sabine Pass to East Matagorda because, you know, with just the Houston market alone based out of Galveston, you know, you have several million people there, but you expand the horizons over to Beaumont and then down over to Matagorda, and it just invites a whole bunch of people in to, to compete against. And um, having no captain's meeting and pay online via PayPal and, things like that, you know, it just makes it for easy for the average guy to just come and fish an event and you don't have to worry about 
getting a hotel and dropping hundreds of dollars and taking a day off of work and all that, and it gives you the chance to fish your home water. So if you're from Sabine or, or Matagorda, it's a two-hour drive to get into Galveston from either direction. So, you know, it's centrally located, so you could fish your home waters, and then if you got a decent stringer, you know, and you're willing to make the drive back, you know, to, to Galveston to see how you did, um, you, you got a pretty good chance. I mean, we pay out 25% uh, to the field, so, well, 75% of the entries to 25% of the field, but we pay out, you know, the top 25% of the field, so they, uh, if you get 100 people, that's 25 places you're paying out, so that's quite a bit of people that would be in the money, and the way I run it is the very, very last place, whatever it ends up being, depending on participants, seeing how we do 25% of the field, um, always do 50 bucks. Last place is 50 bucks no matter what. So you're getting pretty much almost your gas money back for a day of fishing, you know? So you're saying if I enter the tournament, you're saying if I enter the tournament, I don't have any gas money, I could just not catch any fish, I'm guaranteed 50 bucks. That sounds like a winner. (laughs) <laughs> if you're in the top 25% of the food, you would get 50 bucks. <laughs> That's which, the trick. you got to get in that top 25% of the field. But usually if you've got at least 10 pounds or more, you're pretty much guaranteed in the money. I think the least weight we've paid out to is probably somewhere around 8 pounds. Man. Well, see, Andrew, that, that's the thing, though. You have to be able to come back to the launch. You can't get stuck on a ferry. Well, then it wouldn't work. <laughs> I, had to, I had to find a ferry to get stuck on. Well, so, yeah, why the way don't you I look at it, avoid ferries. The way I look at it, you know, is our launch time's at 6 o'clock in the morning. So you can be at your spot ready to launch at 6 and go and fish your spot. So you have 6 o'clock till noon. I mean, our weigh-in's from 2.30 to 4.30, so you have till noon to fish at least. So that's six hours of good fishing. So you can usually either hit the major in the morning or it might be a minor or going into it. You're going to hit one of those throughout the day. If not, depending on the time frame, you might be able to hit both of them. Um, and I've known a couple of anglers, man, just pull it off last minute, you know, hero or zero kind of thing and pull up to a new spot, you know, got skunked at the first spot they fish and then roll up at the second spot at like noon and then jump in the water and, 20 minutes they have two fish that are, are contenders, you know, for the top 10. Man. That's so awesome. You're doing that. Go ahead, Andrew. Go ahead, Jerry. No, I was going to no, ask sorry. him about the fish. So, so he's bringing in, so people now are bringing in live redfish? And they're getting yeah, a that's the other. That? Yeah, exactly. And that's the other thing that I offer is, you know, I'm I'm all about conservation as much as we can in a tournament atmosphere. It's so hard to to not be, you know, and get a bad publicity from from just a, a harvest kill tournament. Not that I'm saying that that's a bad thing or anything, but, you know, we do give the option to weigh in dead fish. You know, not everybody has the, the means right away if they are getting into tournament fishing to have a $100-ish live well, ice chest live well set up. So, you know, they might string their fish the first couple of events, but, you know, save up their pennies, or even if they do well, you know, they they place in the top 10, you're going to get a couple hundred bucks usually. And uh, you got money to go get you a ice chest live well, and then you can start bringing your fish in alive. And we offer a half pound, um, no matter if you bring in one or two fish, you get a half pound added to your, your total weight if you bring in one or two redfish alive. So what the guys are doing is they're 
stringing them up on their stringer. You double lip string them, put your stringer through both lips, so then that way they're not not drowning and all that, and uh, drag them around all day, basically. I know a few people that like to stake them out wherever kind of the area they're fishing. They might carry a couple of stringers and a couple of stakeout sticks, and as they catch a good fish, they'll just stake it out. And then at the end of the, the day, whenever they're done making their round in that marsh or wherever they're fishing, they'll come back and pick up their fish and bring them back to their truck, and they have the ice well, ice chest live well set up, got water and aerators and bubblers, and it's usually a good idea to have a couple bottles of frozen water to kind of cool that water down and get the fish to kind of come back, because usually after dragging them for a little bit, sometimes they're they're a little uh, worn out, so to speak, especially if you get a good fish early in the morning, you know, you're going to drag them around for several hours before you get back to the truck. Yeah, if yeah, you're absolutely. a weak paddler, yeah, as I say, like the last time I fished, I was really tired. I caught, I caught the fish towards the end of the day, and um, I feel like that fish dragged me all the way back because it was a decent red, and I was tired. I was like a little friend <laughs> on my stringers the whole way back. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's always but, nice to look down and you see your fish still swimming along nicely at about noon as you're heading back to the truck. That's always a good feeling. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's a I was I was taught really early on in the, whenever I was fishing, you know, by the it was by Jeff and uh, Clint and those guys how to sh- properly string my fish for bringing them back to the truck like you know a, a lot more lively because you know if you're gonna keep some fresh fish that have been alive all day long and then take home it's nicer than having a dead fish on the stringer all day long. So it's and I've been told you know it's. The way you string it, that even helps. The, uh, that technique helps even in the tournament because you know, like you said, you can get a half pound bonus. So that's that's pretty cool. It's pretty clutch, man. I like that you guys are doing that. Um, how, how many how many people would you say during a tournament that you hold, you know, practice that? Oh man, I would say probably seventy five percent of the field, and that that's probably being a little bit conservative. Um, it's probably more than that, that that make the attempt, you know, actually have a lot a good live well aerator system set up. Our first event last year, and of course it's April and a little bit cooler water so the fish stay alive a lot easier, you know, because the redfish are pretty hardy anyway. They're not like a trout. But uh, we had 73 fish weighed in and 69 were alive. Man. That's awesome. So, I mean, that's doing that out of awesome. kayaks, that's a phenomenal number to, to see that type of of number of yeah, fish man. back alive. I mean, it's just crazy. I, I wasn't expecting it. Whenever I got home and broke out the laptop, and I just wanted to see because I remember seeing a bunch of fish come across the scale alive. Everybody that was coming to the scale had a live redfish. I was like, my God. How many do we have? <laughs> so I went home and calculated it, and I was like, man, that's phenomenal. I, I really couldn't believe that that many people were really making the attempt. Um, and then, you know, during the summer as it gets hotter, you know, that, that rate kind of goes down a little bit, but I don't think it has to do anything with the egg, angler's technique or anything they're doing bad. It's just hot, you know. And the hotter the water is, the harder it is on that fish to, to try to survive. One of the tricks that I do, though, whenever I am fishing in a tournament is I'll uh, I'll go ahead and whenever I get my fish to the boat, I, I usually try to get them as, quick, as quickly as I can to the net and try not to play them too much because with redfish, 
they say that the blood sugar level or something like that in them, it gets, starts to get thick whenever you start to put the strain on the fish and they're fighting for a long time, and it slows them down. And you, you can almost kill a fish just from the fight sometimes, especially in the hotter weather. But what I'll do is I'll, whenever I get them up to the boat as quick as I can, I'll, I'll put them in my net, and I'll leave my net in the water, and I'll sit there for two or three minutes. And I'll just let that fish, you know, stay on the hook with some slack and just let them hang out in my net and chill and try to recover a little bit and maybe slap his back and that will kind of make him flip out and that will it's not I'm not going to say it's a it's almost kind of like a defibrillator you know whenever you got to try to bring someone back just that slap you're like whoa what is that you know and that kind of freshes them up you know gets that blood pumping a little bit in them um, and it it helps I think and then I'll I'll string them after that and I think that's one of the other keys to the success of some of the anglers that might be doing that technique, I don't know how many guys are, but that's one thing that I definitely do and don't mind sharing that, that secret because, well, I don't know, I say a secret, but whenever you're fishing competitively, you want everybody to bring in the fish alive, but, you know, do you want that other guy to have that half-pound advantage? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, man. No kidding. Well, you know, it's, it's, what's really cool about your tournament is, like, every time that I see you post up on Texas Kayak Fisherman and you're doing a tournament recap is how many fresh faces there are to the tournament scene. You know, for a long time, there was always this, you know, there was, like, this, this standard. There was, like, the, the normal guys that were always there. It was the, the regulars, if you want to say that. Uh, but, you know, it's, uh, you're starting to see more and more and more people venture into the, the kayak tournament scene and they've never fished a tournament before in their life. So uh, I was just kind of, you know, I had someone ask me this, you know, earlier today, and they wanted me to pose the question. You was, what kind of tips would you give someone who's looking to get into kayak, uh, or a kayak fishing tournament? You know, and I told them, you know, Lone Star Kayak Series would be great for someone who's starting. I mean, starting, advanced, intermediate, it covers all the bases. But for those guys that are just coming in, what what would you recommend tip-wise, like preparation and what to expect on tournament day? Well, the first thing that I'd like to put out there is just don't stress yourself out and try to fish too fast and too hard. Go out there, enjoy your day, look at it as a day of fishing, and don't rush yourself too much. Um, and really don't try to second-guess yourself too much. If you got that gut feeling to switch lures or try another area or hey i just seen or heard something over in this area let me go check it out don't sit there at that same spot listen to your gut instinct i mean i think that that is helped me most in in any tournament um is just being calm and relaxed and not trying to rush yourself but as far as preparation um you know all you really need is two rods maybe at the at the least three to four at the most but I've seen some guys come with more than that, but everybody's a little bit different. And then tackle, go with your confidence lure. Always throw your confidence bait. Whatever you think you're confident in that can catch the fish, don't worry about what Joe Schmo's throwing. Oh, he's catching them on topwaters. Well, I'm not that good at topwaters, but I'm trying to throw topwaters on tournament day. Don't do that. If you love throwing plastics or a gold spoon or whatever your favorite bait is, go with your confidence bait because nothing worse than on tournament day switching 50 million different lures throughout the day just trying to find a bite go with what you know and is confident with that's always brought fish into your your kayak so 
So, Dustin, where are, where, uh, where are the dates of the tournament this year and registration fees and are there deadlines to register? How does all that work with the, with the series? Our uh, our dates, man, I know I'm going to be lying on this, but I'm going to be pretty close. Uh, here's how I always do it, and this is how the series will always be ran, and I've said this from day one. The first tournament's always going to be April, and then it's every other month after that. So April, June, August, October are the months. And then it's first and third weekends alternating. So the third weekend of April, the first weekend of June, the third weekend of August, and then the first weekend of October. So I think it's April 19th, June 6th, August 17th, and October 4th, something like that. It's right around those days, but the first and third weekends of every other month starting in April. That's how I always remember it. (laughs) And it makes it easier for the... It makes it easier for the anglers to keep a, a scheduled date. When's the Lone Star Kayak Series going to be? Well, it's the same weekends it was last year and the year before that. <laughs> right. Can you register up until the week of the tournament, or is there a cutoff date that you have to register? Yeah, the cutoff date is midnight Tuesday, the week of the tournament, because seeing how we do it on PayPal, it usually takes about two and a half to three days for everything to clear PayPal-wise. So Friday, I have to have everybody's entry fee in so I can do payout because if I let it go to midnight, then I wouldn't be able to do payout because I do a cash payout. I don't write a check or anything like that. You're getting cash whenever you come to my tournament and and prizes. So anybody that's in you know the top 25% of the field, they're getting cash and prizes. All right, so what what is the entry fee? It's $65, and how that works out is – I donate $1 for every entry to Texas Kayak Fisherman, $1 from every entry to Heroes on the Water. PayPal takes about 3 bucks, and then that leaves 60 bucks on the table, and then payout being 75% to the 25% of the field, and then I get 25%. So basically 45 goes to entry, and then I get 15 bucks for being an awesome party host, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Well, you know, I was uh... – I'm also noticing, you know, last year, you know, you uh, I think Werner jumped in on uh, the tournament series with you guys as uh, that their first time sponsoring. So, you know, is it, you got any new sponsors this year? Is there any particular ones you want to kind of you want to mention? I know they're all important, but any newcomers this year? There are some new some new sponsors this year, and I'm still trying to work on a few new ones, and then still waiting to hear back on a few old ones. But um, one of the newer ones. Um, uh, it, is Southern or sorry Texas Silver Star whiskey? Uh, they make some great whiskey, man. I've been a whiskey drinker for a while now, but this year or last year, I really started getting into Texas whiskeys, and a buddy of mine turned me on to them, and they make a really really good whiskey. And then they also make a, a honey flavored one they call Texas Honey, and it's made with honey out of Round Rock, Texas, and that stuff's really good. Um, but another new sponsor that I, I happened to get this year, which I, I, I was really excited whenever um, we all made contact with each other and started working everything out, was Austin Canoe and Kayak, man, um, which I know you all know who those guys are. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah, but, um, yeah, Andrew called me up and uh, 
you know, talk to me about it and everything. And uh, it was real humble and honoring. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was just it was good to know that there are people in the kayak community that kind of see what we have going on and uh, want to be a part of it and um, see everything grow. And I think that's awesome. I think that's one of the reasons why we've had so much success. Um, I mean, there's a list of people I could go on and on um, that have really helped you know, push our tournament series and help get it in the public eye. And, um, I mean, Tom Stubblefield of TKF, man, that guy has been just phenomenal rock star, um, helping promote the tournament. Um, Jeff Herman, he's been phenomenal. He's done, he did an article in a magazine, uh, with me last year. Um, Jason Bryant, he runs inshore and former, um, that guy is a wealth of knowledge. He can, oh my God, he's probably forgot more i'm not going to say more than i know but yeah i've probably for he's probably forgot more than than a lot of people <laughs> even know but because uh, he does it all jason's a real good guy he's a phenomenal bass fisherman inshore fisherman it don't matter you put a rod in the guy's hand and he can catch fish um all the guys on team ocean kayak um clint sam rick vincent um phil all those guys um Man, like I said, there's a list of people that I could just go on and on and thank. Um, it, it's just been great to see the support from everybody, though, in, in the community. It's, it's just phenomenal and awesome and a humbling feeling. Well, I was kind of curious, man. Uh, so I was reading the website, and it says weigh-ins will be at Louis Bait Camp over in Hitchcock. Now, is that, a, is that for every single tournament, or do you guys move venues throughout the season? No, we don't move venues. Um, I, I planned on keeping it centrally located just because of the boundaries. It uh, allows local guys to fish where they want and still make it to the weigh-in, um, like I mentioned before. But, uh, okay. yeah, Louie's is a great, great spot. A um, lot, of, lot of parking there. They have a great area for us to hold our event. Um, the owner, Judy, she's, she's an awesome lady. Um, she's been nice enough the all three years this year being our third year to let us have the events there. They got great food, um, and, and they're just nice people. Um, but yeah, it, it's there just because it's centrally located basically. And, and, and it, it's not a, a hard place to really find or get to, you know? No, it's, it's pretty easy to find and they got a <laughs> and they make a good burger after a day of paddling too, man. Oh, yes, like sir. <laughs> we used to, I think there's, also in Hitchcock, we used to do a tournament out there, out the, it's the Tarpon Tomorrow Tournament, and they had it over in the, one of those, the gated community over there. It was a, it was a real nice venue, too, but I, I prefer Louis. You guys got something good going on over there, and it's, y'all have grown like clockwork. It's pretty impressive to see. I mean, you know, I was talking to you the other day, and you were saying something about, you know, potentially you wouldn't even doubt to see probably 100 anglers a couple of tournaments this year, wouldn't you? Uh, no, I think that's a pretty plausible number to hit um, just from the growth that I've seen the, the two seasons that we've been around. Um, the first year we had 125 individual anglers fish the series with an average of about 60 anglers event. Last year we had... 150-something, 55, 57, something like that for the total year and with an average of about 80 anglers in an event. So, I mean, a 30% growth per tournament, I guess, is kind of how you can see it. 
um, that extra 20 people. Um, so yeah, we're really filling filling up that parking lot compared to the first event, <laughs> uh, which uh, has yeah. kind of worried me. Um, just trying to figure out to put everybody in. Is there enough parking and things like that? That always scares me to kind of outgrow the the venue because I really like that place. I like how we can set our our weigh-in area up as far as having the check-in table and the weigh scale, and then you have like a little podium there so everybody can come across the stage. It makes it a real nice place to host an event for sure. Absolutely. Well, man, uh, what's the uh, what's the website that everybody can go out to and check out and you know work? Is it also the website where everybody can go to register? Yes. Um, now, on the website, you do have to become a a member of the page um, or of the the website. So, kind of create a username, and we have a form there. I'm, I haven't been too active on the form. Mainly, I keep that up just for up-to-date news, not that too many people even go check it out very much except other than to register or maybe read the rules. Um, but you do have to sign up and create a username, and then once you do that, then you can get on the form, and then you're able to register an event. And what that kind of does is it helps us see who's registering, and then whenever they go to pay online, we know who they are, and it keeps everything pretty simple for me, actually. Um, the way it's it's set up. But, yeah, you just go on our website, www.LoneStarKayakSeries.com, uh, create a username, go up into the top left, and there is a uh, rules page and gives you all the rules for the tournament and a little bit about the tournament series itself. And um, by paying online via PayPal, you accept all terms and, you know, that uh, you've read the rules and, you're willing to, to fish the tournament. And then I usually get an email right after someone pays that says so-and-so paid, and then I just start creating my list. Cool, man. Cool. We'll do our best throughout the entire year as we're building up to the first event to, to really promote this because I, I really uh, I think this is awesome for the kayak community. It's, you know, for a kayak, being a kayak fisherman, I've, I've never fished a tournament, but I'd like to come down and do it and say that I've done it. And uh, we'll, we're going to help our best to, you know, grow it even more because it just, it's just fun time, man. It's good people. It's, it's just an all-out great event to be a part of. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll have you back on probably right before the first one so we can do one last push, man, and maybe we can get that first event to be about 100 people. Right on. Yeah, that would be awesome, Jared. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's it's – it's good to see everybody, you know, that is fishing the tournament, even the veterans and stuff, helping out these new guys. And it's amazing, you know, what I what I tell people about tournament fishing, you know, tournament's not for everybody, but if you're wanting to go out and learn something, that $65 entry fee is well worth it. And then not to mention the people that you meet at the weigh-in. Um, you develop new, new friendships, and you go out and fish with people, and then you develop new skills, and it just makes you an over, overall better angler. I mean, just ask Sonny Mills. Um, that guy, the the very first tournament we had, I think he placed like 22nd place. And then by the end of the season, he was up in the top 10. And then last year, he was actually leading for for Angler of the Year for, for a little bit. And I think he ended up in the top five for Angler of the Year. So, you know, that just goes to show, you know, someone that don't think they can hang with the big boys and then you come out and you shut out guys and, and beat guys, you know, that have been fishing tournaments for years, you know, and kind of have that mystique or persona on TKF, you know, Oh, that's so-and-so, um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of, kind of cool. Cause I know the first tournament that, 
that I beat Vincent at was the uh, that tournament I mentioned earlier that was in Gibbons Creek. The very first one, I think I took uh, second place, and he took third place, and I beat him. And, man, that was just a freaking awesome feeling. I beat Vincent. You know, I beat a pro staff guy. That was my goal, man, is, you know, to beat someone. So I knew where I stood as an angler. You know, and that's the other thing, too. Once you, you come in and you place well, that that is such a confidence booster. Oh, yeah, it'll change the way you perceive your abilities, the way that, like, how you approach fishing. I mean, it's, it's always amazing how much better of a fisherman you are when you hit the water with confidence that you are going to catch something that day. It's, it's, oh, yeah. it's like a night, it's a night and day game. So, well, cool, man. Well, Dustin, I really appreciate you coming on tonight and taking the time to, to, to chat with us. And get some of these guys that are in the, that are listening tonight and down the downloads later on to prepare themselves for the awesomeness that is the Lone Star Kayak Series. Well, I appreciate it very much, Jaren and Andrew, for having me on tonight, man. It's it's awesome. Thank you guys very much. Not any time, man. All right. Well, y'all gentlemen, have a good evening, and I will uh, holler at y'all later, boys. So take yeah, care we'll and. Oh, I'm sorry, man. I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> oh, no, I was just going to say take care, and I'll holler at y'all later. All right, man. Yeah, definitely. We'll do the same. We'll get you back in here. All right, my brother. Y'all have a good evening. All right, yeah, you too, man. All right, later. So, four, four events, an average of roughly 80 people per event, that's just a good time, man. And that and it's a whiskey distributor as a as a as a sponsor, right? That's good times wrapped up all in one. Yeah, well when he said that, uh, at that point I was I was in. I figured you were. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm already deeply involved. <laughs> you're you're like, I can go home with fifty bucks and I got to drink some whiskey. Fantastic. Not a problem. <laughs> Well, uh, so well, we don't have a guest lined up as of yet for next week. Uh, I did have someone touch out to me this week, though, and say that they wanted to come on sometime in the future. It's the, his name's Joe Hector. He runs the Extreme Kayak Fishing website that they did that. They're going to be having the Battle in the Bahamas out uh, in Florida, uh, well, in the Bahamas, launching from Florida. Uh, we're going to try to get him on. Um, I've also got a couple feelers out there. I really want to see if I can get Eric Oslins over from ExtremeCoast.com to come on and talk about Kayak Wars since he is the, he is the mastermind behind that entire tournament series. Uh, it's just a different, different type of tournament since it's a completely year-long style. So uh, he'd be a really cool guest to come on. And, you know, again, I encourage everybody to go over to the Yak Fishing Texas Facebook page, like us, spread the word, uh, you know, get on there and re- any recommendations you guys have for guests and uh, topics you guys want to hear covered. And also, you know, we'll try to get some more fishing reports blended in, too. I think we're going to have Vincent calling next week. I think he's got a couple of for the Galveston Bay Area. So maybe he'll teach us a little couple of things about uh, the trout fishing and redfish fishing that are going on right now over there. So uh, I want to say thank you again, Dustin Kareba, the owner of the Lone Star Kayak Series, for coming on tonight. I am your host, Jaron Wassel, joined by Andrew. Uh, we will see you guys next Tuesday, 8 p.m. Central Standard, over on Yak Fish in Texas. Until then, 
tight lines. 